today's weaving permaculture, where we get to explore the connections that various permaculture teachers make with international friends and allies for a sneak peek into the global permaculture movement, one weave at a time. I'm Jesse, and I'll be hosting today's gathering, which should last about 90 minutes, with space throughout for question and answer. So please send any questions that you have to the chat on either YouTube or Facebook, and I can gather them up for our guest. Today, we are coming at you from Portland, Michigan, and Japan. So this is a really exciting get-together, and I want to just basically pass it over to Matt. Matt, if you could maybe introduce us to our new friends here, since you're the one who brought them to me and Pina, um, that would be fantastic. And then and we'll have some time for slideshows for everybody. But I do want to say for everybody here, welcome, and thank you so much for being here all the way from Japan. We really appreciate it. I can't wait to just sit back and listen. So this is going to be great. So Matt, thank you so much. Oh, yeah, my pleasure. Uh, thank you. And Thanks everybody for joining um, today. Uh, we're being joined uh, by some really wonderful uh, permaculture educators from Japan that I've had the honor and pleasure of meeting and getting to work with. Um, Wakana Kawamura and Jun Amura are going to start off in a little bit, uh, sharing some of the work that they're doing, followed by uh, Kyle Holtzwitter, who's going to share from Permaculture Center Kamimami. And then uh, I think if all goes as planned, we'll get a chance to hear from some of the uh, directors from Edible Schoolyard Japan, which is a really amazing um, kind of spinoff of the Edible Schoolyard movement, which started in Berkeley, California. So uh, last time, uh, the call that uh, some of you might have joined or seen, uh, I was sharing a bit about the work that I'm doing here at Jean's Farm and a little bit about the uh, Portland scene. And uh, that was really fun and great to kind of have that first experience. And when we were discussing and planning this uh, session, it seemed like there were sort of two two sets of topics, it would be hard to fit them all into one. And I was sort of thinking about it in terms of uh, zones of or spheres of influence. And as a permaculture educator and as someone who's stewarding land and practicing permaculture, you know, I kind of have my home base. And I think a lot of folks um, either have or are looking for a place where they're basically able to practice where they are. Um, and so that's sort of like what feeds me. That's like from my zone zero, my house over here to my zone one, just a farm right over here. And uh, I do a little bit of work in other places, but uh, an aspect of the work that's been really uh, rewarding and, and uh, I've learned a lot from, and I've been able to really feed that part of me that wants to be connecting uh, across, um, not just across uh, states and, and that kind of thing, but across the ocean and, and kind, of, kind of more an international connection. It's been really wonderful to, uh, for the last uh, eight years, have an ongoing uh, relationship with a number of organizations and amazing people, community organizers, permaculturists um, in Japan, uh, from uh, Tokyo all the way down to Okinawa. And um, this past year, I made my 10th trip to Japan, about a month long per trip. And uh, I spend that time visiting uh, communities and groups who are engaged in either some uh, aspect of placemaking and sort of like urban permaculture, where people in cities are trying to find creative ways to um, shift culture and change our relationship to place, which has the effect of changing culture. Uh, and that's in a lot of cities uh, from like the, the downtown heart of Tokyo uh, to uh, smaller cities further um, south in the country. And then the other kind of primary topic area that's been really exciting to work with uh, communities on is uh, nature education or like uh, can be farm education, can be like forest education. Sometimes it's camps, sometimes it's like a little bit of a school program and uh, working with a lot of kids and finding that a lot of parents are looking for opportunities for their children to 
have an experience in nature because similar to in the United States, there's a really big disconnect that's uh, been happening for a long time. And uh, I believe that uh, some of you might be familiar with the book Ecophobia. It's a really interesting term, sort of like fear of nature. And, you know, what we don't know, we either say we don't like in terms of foods or that like we're afraid of in terms of uh, places that aren't uh, flat surface paved and, you know, covered in wood chips and, and play structures or something like that. And so um, some of the work that's been the most rewarding actually is getting kids and their parents to like crawl around in the forest and look at some of the smallest amazing things and climb trees and just have fun in the context of nature as the classroom or nature as the place that we're learning from without the need for toys, without the need for a lot of um, kind of setup to kind of stage it because learning doesn't require really uh, any setup when you're in nature. And so no matter uh, where I am, it usually takes a day or two for me to acclimate to the place and to just get a little bit of a feel for what areas I might want to bring groups to, or if we have that kind of setup, uh, what kind of places we might explore based on the age of the group. Um, just on this last trip this spring, Kyle and I ran, uh, and, and, and others at Permaculture Center, Kamimami, ran uh, a program for youth. And Kyle had already had this amazing treehouse built uh, a year or two ago, and it just made the perfect setting underneath and around that treehouse to create this kind of like forest camp for kids. And it's sort of like a form of place making also when you're bringing children into a natural setting and with minimal um, infrastructure, you know, just like some, maybe some like ropes to swing on and uh, some stumps to sit on. Uh, the space transforms to this really kind of epic, amazing area. And when you're a kid, it feels like, you know, you have this vast, vast world and, you know, we're just in this really cute place in the forest uh, right uphill from the farm there that they're um, tending and growing as a permaculture community. So um, I've shared a little bit, a little bit about that work in other kind of forums, uh, but I thought it would be really fun to actually bring some of the folks on so that our friends and colleagues here in the U.S. and North America can have an opportunity to just kind of get a, get a taste for what's going on in other places because it's really fed me and my passion for continuing to pursue connections uh, across cultures in the field of permaculture, which as we know, it's, it's vast and there, there's a lot of threads connected to that. Um, and weaving kind of a bigger fabric of connectivity is a really important function, I think, of a global movement. And so in the spirit of seeing that forward, um, I, I'm really excited also to uh, hear from some of my friends and, and guests today. So uh, we're going to start off with uh, Wakana and June. They can share a little bit about where they are. And I think everybody's prepared some slides too. So fingers crossed that uh, the technology works out okay. Apologies in advance if, uh, if it takes a little while to get things up. But uh, I think we tested everything out and I think we're good to go. So uh, without taking any more time from uh, my amazing presenters, I'd like to introduce Wakana and June. Okay, good morning everybody in Japan and a good evening in the US. <laughs> Thank you for introducing us. My name is Wakana. Nice to meet you everybody. Okay, so I'm a little bit nervous because uh, my English is getting worse. Especially I moved back to Japan, but uh, I will try to talk about our project in Japan and I hope everybody can understand that I might use Japanese and English mix 
maybe Kyle can help <laughs> us to translate. <laughs> okay, so I'm, we're gonna start the presentation. Okay. Everything sounds and looks great so far, guys. No pressure. Okay. <laughs> Right, I see it here. Okay, you see? Okay. Okay, now uh, first, we really thanks to Matt because Matt is always have a lot of inspiration during from Portland to Japan and he is our inspiration too. So mm. it's nice to have opportunity to, we can join here. Mm. Okay, so we we want to talk about our project in japan it's called the first garden project in hamamatsu japan and i am also illustrator so i might show my artwork here too okay okay so we want to talk about our topic today the first is about us and about fresh garden and also about our work, like job. Okay. First, I want to introduce ourselves. My name is Wakana Kawamura. I am a permaculture designer. I actually, I actually graduated uh, Urban Permaculture Institute in San Francisco in 2011, for a long time ago. My teacher was Kevin and David in San Francisco. And after I moved back to Japan, I become illustrator and also I work as a gardener. And hey. Hi, my name is Joe Omura, a permaculture designer and a yoga instructor and permaculture educator. Uh, <laughs> and he graduated the Permaculture Center of Japan to become permaculture designer in 2010. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Now uh, we live together and we have we on the same project. Okay, and we also have a more first garden member like uh, insect or animal, a bee yeah. and birds or other friends too. We want to talk about first garden. I think people watching this already know first garden so we we won't talk about detail of first garden we want to show the picture what we are doing in japan so where we are located so we are from hamamatsu hamamatsu is a uh, about center of japan so it's really easy access from shinkansen so so this is zoom up zooming map so we are about here. Yeah. <laughs> so it's really suburban area and it's easy access, 15 minutes drive from Shinkansen Hamamatsu station. So people can access by bus or bicycle or train easily. And more zooming map. So our first garden project here so it's next to the native forest area and also our house is here. So it's really easy access about zone two. 
And this is our zone zero and zone one. So how did we get started? So we started the first garden project in 2015. And June was looking for the land to start the first garden project. And this land we are doing right now, agricultural land that has not been used for a long, long time. And the people actually used to use pesticides to kill weed yeah. <laughs> to maintenance because a lot of people getting retired and nobody wants to do farming here so we got the land it's yeah. a lending land <laughs> and now 2023 so our first become like this so you see the picture like nothing there and uh, he started planting many many fruit tree or herbs or vegetable or many other plants yeah. too for a long time and this is a comparing photo so this is when june started and now we are here so you see the forest is getting more greener yeah. <laughs> it's beautiful yeah. <laughs> thank you hi yeah it's like more forest nobody can expect to, we used to be here so i like this picture so this is our design so it's we are processing design more but our first garden has so many features like a compost toilet by bamboo or we don't have uh, water here, so we need to catch rain. So we use recycled material to make a uh, rain catchment. And we got the Japanese honeybee. And also our forest area is here. So the summertime, unfortunately, there are a lot of mosquitoes. So the forest area open only winter time. So that is, is nice too. And we also have our making biochar, mm, bamboo. Mm, bamboo biochar. And we also pizza oven and our resting area from grape, yeah. grape trees. <laughs> okay. So I will show some beautiful photo from Fresh Garden. So Fresh Garden is about what we want to eat too so we have tasty berries right now this is a very time season here in first garden like raspberry or blackberry or strawberry or mulberry or so many berries from april to july so this is a paradise right now so we also have a permaculture practical course in first garden too so people wants to bring permaculture essence to daily life so we want to encourage people to do more not really like easily but more adapting to daily life like bring permaculture into their life so that we that is our main goal to the people enjoy permaculture more so 
we have a one-year program. We also love cooking and eating together with community, and we also have a lot of bamboo shoots. We call it Sansai, the Japanese mountain herbs, too. And also, we want to introduce our home in Hamamatsu suburban area. So, as I, I show you, the first garden and our house is cross. So, Matt already visited our house before, but our house is a really tiny Japanese little house. It's more like tiny house. <laughs> it's a Japanese house. <laughs> So we do have a kitchen, tiny garden, or we we have a quail too. We have a five quail. They produce egg every day. And June tried the mushroom, indoor mushroom, or we use bamboo to do dry herb area, like compost or a lot of plants here too. Cool. So so uh, I think our project is more for urban area or suburban area because we don't, it, it's really hard to own the land here. It's very expensive, but we really want to encourage people they can do permaculture even though apartment or a tiny place or everywhere. So that that is our passion about telling people about permaculture. So we want to, probably we might want to open the open house tour or something someday, but it's really tiny. So it's hard to host a lot of people here, but I can show some picture. Okay, so we want to talk about what we do as a job. I don't want to call a job, but this is our work. So we own the small permaculture landscape company. It's actually started June my ten years ago. Yeah. The June and the other friends Shojang started ten years ago, but it it wasn't company before. But uh, four years ago, we made a company it's called the permaculture design level we do of course gardening and uh, designing or sometimes education public project or garden coaching too and workshop or we actually really passionate about online course right now and then our first uh, Tiny first garden book is published this winter. Yeah. I think this this early spring. And uh, we don't have first garden book in Japanese in Japan. And uh, especially we we really respect the first garden in the England, Martin Crawford. But sometimes the plants are different from other countries. So we really want to focus on Japanese vegetation about first garden. And also we open the, it's called a permaculture shop thing. It's a permaculture shop. It's all about permaculture, like my art or my, our book or some 
somebody's permaculture book or anything, we open the online shop. <laughs> and finally, I want to talk about my art. So as, as an illustrator, I want to call it permaculture artist. I always inspired by nature, so I draw most of the artwork by inspired by nature. This is actually called the compost mandala. So the main is the compost. So all of fungi getting the compost to make a soil. So a lot of vegetable are growing around the compost like that. We also have our artwork at the forest garden too. This is the 12 principle permaculture card we use for the practical course. So I love drawing. Like some photo or a picture of forest garden. This is our vision. We want to make a permaculture town in Tomitsuka area where we live. So the each house each house has a tiny first garden or permaculture garden. So after a couple of years that we our town become edible town. <laughs> That's my goal. Okay, thank you so much for Having us. <laughs> Let me know if you have any question or comment. Yay, that was amazing. Thank you so much. Good work. You guys have been doing good work out there. <laughs> I'm not sure if I can explain well. I I could talk more, but uh, I think it's enough. Well, it gives us a good overview, yeah. And then we, it, Kyle and Matt, of course, and I will, if we have any questions, now's a good time to just implore a little bit further. Um, Kyle or Matt, I defer to you guys. Any questions just from what you saw or areas you want to double tap on and explore more? Uh, I've got a I've got a question. It's kind of a, tec a technical question for Japan. Okay. Um, what variety of grape would you recommend for an uncovered grape trellis, meaning a, a grape trellis that gets direct rain? Is there a variety of grape that you would recommend for Japan? I think the internet connection. So the kind can can I can I talk in Japanese? <laughs> sure, I, I guess. I, know, I, I want to make sure I got correctly from okay. your question. あれだよね。ぶどうだなのあの水がかからないようにカバーは何してるってこと？あ、いや違う。あのカバーのないぶどうだな。どんな品種がいいか。あ、カバーのないぶどうだな。あ、日本でね。いや、試験中。いや、キャンベラリー。キャンベラリー。キャンベラリー。オッケー、あ、あ、あ、サイ、アルリメンバーダーエンタークティモアバウトイトレイタ。テンキュー。日本の試験に関する
No, you're, you're fine. I let him know that you had a meeting. Um, so I had the chance to visit this food forest on two occasions. Once it was around 2017 or 18, and it was only a few years old at the time. And, um, you know, the fruit trees were growing. It was, it was small, it was young. And I, I have kind of had a similar um, young food forest here. And so it was nice to see the sort of similarities and, and the vision too. Uh, June was sharing at that time, the vision of the food forest. And then I didn't get a chance to go back for a number of years because there was really no traveling uh, to Japan during COVID. And so this spring, uh, finally after uh, three and a half years, I was able to go back and just worked out really well that uh, between other things, I was able to um, drop in and, and pay a visit to uh, Jun and Wakana and the food forest. And uh, my eyes were just wide open. My jaw was hanging down. It was it was a beautiful rainy day. Uh, they picked me up from the uh, Shinkansen train in the rain, and they're like, you don't. Before they're like, you don't have to come. It's rainy, you know. I'm like, this is the best day to visit a food forest, <laughs> and we had the most lovely uh, walk through, and everything was just wet and happy, and it was just so lovely to see the the progress that they made, and it just. Um, it goes to show it doesn't take a lot of time. I mean, trees, they, they do take a little bit of time to grow, but human time goes by faster than we think it does, right? And so in what seemed just like in a year or two, and it was actually like four or five years, uh, there's now like a an overstory with fruit and we were eating fresh strawberries. This was in um, uh, mid-May. And uh, it's exciting to hear that it's still in uh, in fruit and their little classroom space there with the grapes growing over it and those uh, principal signs. Like I'm always inspired by how people set up their permaculture stuff. Uh, and so I'm like, oh, wow, this is such a good idea. And so I love that mutual inspiration. That's what kind of feeds me and, and fuels me. And so we just talked for hours and hours that day and Eddie had uh, the opportunity to come by and join us. And so it was just nice to have this sort of reunion of friends talking about permaculture. And we're like looking at our different sites on Google Earth and being like, oh my gosh, like they're so similar and just all this stuff. So uh, it makes me feel more hopeful that we're building this global kind of connection of, of mutual inspiration and, uh, you know, how to hold it in a way where it's respectful of both cultures. You know, I'm trying to be really sensitive to that. And I think that um, it's it's influencing the work that I do in, in Portland and in, in the USA, uh, just through that inspiration and just seeing what's possible and, and feeling like there are people there that, uh, you know, we support each other. We're like cheering each other on. And so that's that's really great. So I just wanted to yeah, share. thank you, Matt. That, that's beautiful. And uh, Wakana, I think I'm most inspired by the art. I think adding art to our outdoor and indoor spaces just does something that delights me. So I'm just really delighted to see what you've done. How do you, how has permaculture changed your art or influenced your art? So that's a good question because I started drawing after I took a permaculture course. Because oh. after becoming permaculture designer, I see so many beautiful things all over this word. So I I started wanting to explain what I feel or why we won't care. So that was a drawing. So so I didn't do anything. I just took a permaculture course and I started having color into my life. So to become permaculture art. I don't know. That makes sense. <laughs> yeah. That makes sense totally because permaculture is design, right? Which gets us all thinking about like drawing things and sketching things out. 
but it's nature too, which is just replete with beautiful images everywhere and beautiful colors. So that's awesome. And June, great work uh, building the food forest. I've done that myself and I know how much work and commitment that takes and how many plants you lose sometimes and how heartbreaking it can be. <laughs> so way to, way to keep at it for those 10 years. It really has paid off. Yeah, and they didn't mention it, but uh, their food forest was featured in, they and their food forest was featured in a uh, book and a movie that's just out now in Japan. Um, I'm forgetting the exact title, but it's like Urban Farming Life. Is that it? Urban? There's, uh, there's some publication that uh, you all are a part of um, recently. Movie? Yeah, the movie. Terra is a movie, and then the, the book too, Urban Farming Life. The book. Oh, yeah, yeah, Urban Farming Life, yeah. It's so exciting. I'm so happy for you all. Uh, it's just neat seeing things really take off and uh, to kind of experience that as it's happening. Awesome. Thanks again. Yeah, yeah thank and, you. Uh, thank you guys so much. And I hope this isn't the last time we meet. So feel free to come back anytime. Thank you. Yeah, and so um, the next uh, friend and presenter that uh, we'll be hearing from, um, let's see, how did I meet, how did I connect with you, Kyle? I guess through uh, Kazuko, through uh, Edible Schoolyard Stuff, which we'll be hearing a bit about uh, through Eddie in a little bit. Um, but Kyle's just, uh, I was just in awe around the, the fine quality and detail of the natural building work that Kyle does. He's, he's a guy of many skills, uh, but it was the natural building that caught my eye first. And um, there are, I know that um, this might be like new information for folks. There are a lot of uh, properties in Japan that are vacant. Uh, there, there are reasons why that happens. Uh, it's a little bit different than here in the US as far as when people uh, pass on and, and the property can sometimes sit uh, empty for a long time. And so um, Kyle and uh, crew uh, came into a site that uh, was not being lived in for a little while and for a number of years now have been transforming it into a really wonderful education center. And so I'm excited to uh, check out what you wanna share with us, Kyle. I think a little bit about uh, some of the work that you do and uh, hopefully a picture or two of um, the, the space that you're at, because it's really captivating. So thanks so much for coming on, Kyle. I'll pass it over to you. Sure, thank you, Matt. Um, thanks for inviting me. Um, and Wakana-chan, great talk. That was awesome to see more photos and hear your story. That was awesome. Um, so yeah, I, I usually um, talk for about an hour, an hour and a half about the site. So this will be a, um, a new experience for me to do this in, in 20 minutes. Um, but I'd love to, to come back and, and share again if, if we have an opportunity. Can yeah, you we're see the schedule full screen? Too. We're ahead of schedule, so that gives you a little bit more time. Oops. Okay. Yes, I can see that, Matt. Uh, Kyle, sorry. Okay. Uh, let me just add it in here for a second. And now everybody else can see it too. And thank you, Kyle. It's great to have you. Looking forward to this presentation. Cool. Um, so I'll introduce myself briefly and then introduce the site. Um, I was born in the United States. I spent most of my 20s farming. Um, I took my permaculture design course in Australia in 2003. And uh, I realized that in order to build uh, the permaculture side of my dreams, I needed to gain more building skills. Um, this is actually a really old photo. This is from my 20s when I was farming. 
Um, and uh, I just by chance happened to participate in a straw bale workshop in the United States. And that straw bale builder was looking for an intern. So I interned with him and then I began working for his company. And um, I had an opportunity to come to Japan to research straw bale building. And uh, I'm now the, the, the president of the Japan Straw Bale House Research Association, though we're, we're not very active. But these are some of the buildings that I've been involved in in Japan. Um, a temple on the far left in Yokohama, um, a home in the middle in uh, Nagano Prefecture, and a cafe in the right in Shiga Prefecture. And um, through Straw Bale Building, I was first introduced to Japanese plastering and um, kind of fell in love with plastering. I went to a trade school in Kyoto for a couple of years. And then um, after I, I passed the, um, the top level exam, there's a, a national exam for plasters in Japan. I kind of started my own um, business plastering. And these are some of the, the projects I've been involved in. Um, a tea room in the upper left, um, and in the lower left here, this is a an earthen wall at a, a temple in Okayama that looked like that originally. But um, we took off all the tile, tore out all the all the vegetation, rebuilt the earth wall, um, retiled the roof, put a new uh, brown coat plaster on it. And then on a really, really hot, sunny day, we did the finished lime plaster, which isn't isn't good practice. You definitely want to do lime plaster on a on a cloudy day or out of direct sun, but um, we had kind of no choice on the scheduling. So this was uh this was our team in 2021, myself and the interns from Permaculture Center Kamimomi doing the the finished lime plaster on this wall. That looks really cool. And I'll just interrupt real quick just to say if anybody's listening to this as a podcast, this is definitely one that you want to see the video version so go to the portal at the pina site for members or go to youtube and find it because there's these really cool videos that are like time lapse videos that kyle has prepared keep going kyle sorry to interrupt yeah no worries thanks and then in um 2017 um four of us founded permaculture center kamimomi in okayama japan with uh, economic development after the war it became less expensive to buy building materials, timber from overseas. It became more convenient to buy energy from overseas. It became more efficient to buy food from overseas. And so the, the resources in rural Japan um, weren't being used and people were moving to the cities. So kind of our mission is to use permaculture design um, as a way to revive this site and kind of this local community. Um, we're located in Okayama, Japan, in Kamimomi, where uh, you can kind of see on the map in Western Japan. And um, although it's a rural site, it's, uh, it has actually very convenient access. It has um, good access to the, the highway infrastructure in Japan. It also has really good access to the airport too. And there's a, a public taxi service from the train station, 300 yen door to door. This is our village. Um, it has a, a 1,400 year old history. There are fewer than 90 residents now and fewer than 40 households and the average age is 78. So 
Um, in, in Japan, they call this a genkai shuraku, a village on the edge of extinction. This is our site. It's approximately 40, or it's approximately four hectares. Um, it's on a very steep south-facing slope uh, with elevation ranging from 380 to 450 meters in elevation. And that's, that's pretty significant. There's not many sites that have 70 meters of elevation difference. Um, and from an economic perspective, this site has no value. The, the fields are too narrow. Um, it's too difficult to mechanize. It's too dangerous to farm. Um, the roads are too narrow. The, the land is too narrow to build a, a warehouse or um, large buildings on. So from an economic perspective, the land has no value. Um, and you know from permaculture, problem is solution, right? So how can we turn these negatives upside down and turn them into advantages? <clears throat> uh, this is just to show that the site has good solar access. Um, and is protected from cold winter winds from the north. Um, probably the there's two main reasons why we why we chose this site. One is the owner was really eager to get rid of it. He was tired of paying property taxes on it, and it just had a bunch of dilapidated buildings on it. Um, so the opportunity to acquire land um, for for free was uh, a big advantage, and Another advantage was kind of just the beauty of the site was was really attractive. Um, I won't talk much about zoning, but um, this is kind of our, our zoning for the site. Um, and to introduce kind of our, our zone zero or on the places where we're living, um, we have, uh, Four, we have got four interns in uh, the main house on the property. Um, myself, um, Kazuko, my wife, and another intern, the three of us live in this 200-year-old timber frame, which is about five minutes from the site by car. And then we have another core member that lives um, five minutes from site. Um, this is the house that I live in now. We spent about three months getting it ready to live in. Um, it's a 200-year-old building, kind of featuring a lot of recycled materials and um, and then also some new experiments, too. Uh, the, the photo in the middle lower is the first experiment I did in Japan with light rice husk lime insulation, which um, has become more popular in Japan and is actually even being used now in California. Um, a friend of mine, Michael Smith, who was really involved in the Cobb, Revival in North America has been using this technique in California. He calls it rice crete. <laughs> That's awesome. Um, and uh, in all of our buildings, there's no uh, there's no natural gas or propane gas used in all the buildings. So all of the all of the cooking, all of the heating, um, all of the bath is all heated with solar and biomass. So. This is kind of the real simple kitchen stove in the house that um, I live in. Um, we have a vacuum pipe solar hot water heater for hot water. This is, this is a beautiful system uh, made in China and distributed in Japan. Um, and what that doesn't do for the hot water, we have got a wood boiler for backup for the bath. 
and uh, a rocket mass heater for heating in winter. Um, I don't know how familiar um, you guys are with rocket mass heaters, but um, there's a, a combustion chamber, an internal heat riser, and then that heats this, this bed, this heat bed here before exiting out the chimney. <clears throat> The only the only disadvantage to this rocket mass heater is that the cats don't do any work in winter. They just hang out on the rocket mass heater. Um, and uh, yeah, so we finally finally got this finished um, this spring. Wow, that's amazing. Um, we also uh, don't use any flush toilets, so um, all of the the toilets here and at the at the center are all composting toilets. Um, and kind of as a part of trying to make use of all like local materials and and the materials from this mountain, in 2017 we started building a new timber frame building, mainly done in in a workshop type format. Uh, this is the new timber frame building, um, consisting of almost all timber from, I would say probably 90% of the materials are from this mountain or from the local environment. Um, all timber from the mountain, a living roof. And then uh, a number of different techniques used to build the walls. This is a straw bale wall. And I kind of want to point out that the, the foundation for this wall is an, is an interesting thing. It's a recycled rubble on the left, and then on the right is an earth bag foundation just filled with gravel. So in um, 100 years when this building is taken down, um, there's like no concrete rubble coming out of it, um, just the recycled rubble that was already there. And then this, this earth bag filled with gravel, that gravel can be reused. Um, that's something that we oftentimes think a lot about when we're when we're choosing building materials and when making this design is what are we leaving for the next generation? This is a light straw clay wall, um, lots of straw mixed with the clay slip and packed into formwork to make an, an insulated wall. And the light rice husk lime insulation. I think this has the greatest potential for um, renovations and new construction in Japan. In 2020, we hosted a women's natural building course. The original plan was to have um, Liz Dondro from the United States come and teach, but because of Corona, she couldn't come. So myself and a local carpenter taught the course um, using all uh, myself and Akuchan, one of our core members and our intern from that year, Jessica, we felled all the trees. All the trees were milled on site uh, using a, a portable sawmill from uh, New Zealand. And then the the timbers were finished at the local woodworking shop. There's a, a woodworking shop here that we can we can rent for 60 cents an hour. And that's what we use to to finish the timbers. Uh, and then the, the local carpenters um, instructed us in in tim in hand carving the the timber and then a, that was assembled and when that when that was assembled we did a, a natural building workshop um a stone foundation um a lime sand mortar and then recycled earth and recycled tile stem wall 
and that wall is insulated with rice husk lime, um, plastered with earth, and then finally got the finished coat of cow manure and earth this spring. This is the the addition onto the main house. the The original house had no kind of working kitchen, working toilet, or working bath. So, uh, in order to make that accessible to live in, um, I spent probably about a year with that house, kind of asking it what it wanted to become. And uh, so we moved the kitchen to the south side of the house and built this addition onto the east side. Again, the foundation is just a stone foundation, uh, mainly with stones from site. Um, this is all timber from site that we had milled at the local sawmill and then carved with the same local carpenters. Um, replastered all the walls, um, rebuilt the kitchen. This is the, the kitchen after it's, you know, had the, this finally has the stove. And this is a stove that I bought from, brought from the United States when my dad passed away. Um, I brought a container load of, of stuff from the United States. So yeah, all the cooking is done with, with solar and wood um, and charcoal. This is the stove that we use to heat in the, in the house at Pamimomi. It's um, a rocket mass heater condensed into one drum can. So there's a, a combustion chamber, a heat riser, and that heat riser goes through. In, in our case, we have it filled with red brick that acts as a thermal mass that slowly gives off heat. Uh, and this is the the bath and the solar hot water heater. This is the the safety valve that goes off when the water goes above 90 de 95 degrees Celsius. It it gives off hot water, so that's a, a sunny day in summer. And uh, all the all the water from site is is spring water. We we collect um, spring water from four different springs that we collect into a a three thousand liter tank that provides our water needs. So it's it's like it's like going into a hot springs. It's a really nice bath. Everybody everybody really enjoys it. This is the uh, the outdoor earth oven. Uh, we like to we like stone walls. Stone walls are so fun. You forget to eat. Uh, and in in our really in our very steep slope, it's a it's a great way of making usable space, right? To make a flat usable space. So stone walls have been a a really fun way to improve the site and to provide a, a landscape that's more productive and abundant for the next generation. Um, kind of our zone two, um, rice fields, orchards, and uh, row crops. Uh, the previous owner left us 33 yuzu trees. And this is where I really kind of understood the importance of trees. When you think about what you can leave for the next generation, rice fields and, and, and farm fields are overgrown with bamboo um, and kuzu, but fruit trees and nut trees remain for the next generation. So we're grateful for the fruit trees. And now this has actually become an, like a, an economic source for us. Um, and we've planted lots of, of other fruit and nut trees. This is kind of a, a map of our layout of the, the forest garden or the, the food forest. Um, and in some cases it's done in an agroforestry system where we combine the fruit and nut trees with um, farm fields that we use for soybean and sweet, and sweet potatoes. In the past couple of years, we've been able to um, start production and sales of persimmons, 
And I suspect in the next couple of years, we'll have um, sales of ume, Japanese plum, and chestnuts as well. And so we've, we've put a lot of um, energy into um, food self-sufficiency. So we, we produce all of our own rice, miso, um, soy sauce, um, sauerkraut um, from, and, and Hugo cultures. This is kind of a, a Hugo culture on steroids. Living in the mountains, there's lots of organic waste that comes out of the mountain that local farmers would, would burn um, just to get rid of. And so we've been able to um, put that to good use in, in Hugo cultures. Um, we, we lie down tree bark onto our, onto our parking lot. Um, all the cars that park there over the year create compost for us. And at the end of every fall, we scrape off that compost and put it onto a new Hugo culture. Matt was a part of making one of these Hugo cultures. Um, earthworks. I'm a volunteer firefighter in Japan, so I know the importance of having a lot of water immediately available on site in case of a, um, a house fire or a building fire or a, a mountain fire. So um, we're trying to just improve uh, water storage. Um, and this is also provides water for the rice fields as well. Um, zone three plantation forests. Um, we make a lot of bamboo charcoal um, and rice husk charcoal. The tree house that is kind of the center for our new kids play area. We have a deficiency of kids. So if you have kids that want to play in the forest in rural Japan, uh, please bring them. And before coming to Pamimumi, I, I thought a lot about what we could do there and what kind of the connections we could make between those different um, activities and then kind of just set up a development plan for the site. Lastly, I don't know how much time I have left, but just a few things um, I want to invite you to. Every month we have an open day. Um, in the morning, we do a tour of the site, and a really sweet pot, um, potluck lunch, and then a fun activity in the afternoon. That's once a month. And we also have a natural textiles workshop um, every year, or a, next, a natural textiles workshop every month. And um, we were growing a lot of cotton, but we couldn't keep up with spinning it into thread. So we're concentrating now on indigo dye. Um, this blue t-shirt is an indigo dye. This is an indigo dye. Um, starting this month for the next four months, we have an uh, earthen storehouse on renovation workshop for three days every month. So if you want to learn more about building with earth and lime, it's a great opportunity. Um, and then this fall, we'll do a permaculture practicum. Um, every day, a new theme. Um, for the people theme, we'll have a teacher come in to teach NVC, and then another teacher come in and teach uh, yoga and uh, like kind of self-chiropractic stuff. On the tree day, we usually plant fruit and nut trees, um, prune trees, and also do kind of some simple um, carpentry work. On the earth day, we'll do some work in the garden and then also kind of earth building, earth plastering stuff. On the water day, we've we've uh, set up um, rainwater catchment, um, filters. On the fire day, we have an appropriate technology where we, um, we're, we're currently setting up an eight kilowatt photovoltaic system. Um, and we've done like solar ovens and uh, th things done that day. So if you're interested in spending a week in Japan kind of doing fun stuff, that's a great opportunity too. 
Um, and living in rural Japan, we get a lot of um, wild pig um, and sometimes deer as well. So uh, we generally have a freezer full of uh, that, the venison and, and uh, wild pig. On December 22nd, we'll do a one-day agroforestry workshop. Um, we offer a year-long permaculture rice cultivation course. Um, we have about an acre of rice in cultivation right now. Half of that is no-till and half of it is tilled. Um, our kind of our instructor is from Chiba Prefecture. Um, this year, we communicate with him once a month via Zoom. Kind of, and then um, the students take a, a tour of his farm. Uh, this month they went to visit his farm in Chiba Prefecture. This is uh, kind of some scenes from the course in 2019. Or oh, this was actually 2021, sorry. Well, kind of because of time, I guess I'll go on, but yeah, an, an awesome team. And then at the end of the year, this year, it's uh, December 24th, we do kind of an end of the year um, winter solstice party. Um, Ho-chan um, is a musician from Miyazaki Prefecture, has performed here twice. And the interesting thing is when we were building that treehouse, we were listening to Ho-chan's CD the whole time. So to have her come and uh, perform twice there was a real honor. Yeah, this is kind of like our soul music. And uh, Miyaki Ohei-kun is a, a good friend of Matt's as well, um, who is a, a musician and kind of a very political activist. And I, I think we need people working in all different fields, like economics, politics, medicine, to kind of move things from where they are now to a sustainable future. And I think in Japan, um, Yohei-kun plays a really important role. Um, if you want to spend time here, we offer a kind of a short three-day experience program and then a one-year internship. So if if somebody's, you know, looking to um, for a different experience in Japan, um, please be in, please get in touch. We don't have uh, like a working homepage, so most of our our information goes out through Facebook. If you look for Permaculture Center Japan on Facebook, you can you'll you'll find the site. Okay, that's it. Thank you. I miss it already. <laughs> Thanks so much, Kyle. Thanks, Kyle. That was amazing. Yeah. Holy cow. I have so many questions, but I'll... <laughs> everybody's clapping. <laughs> Thanks. Thanks. I think the main question I just have just up front is like, do you have legal restrictions for putting in composting toilets and building with all the natural building materials? How do you navigate that? What's that look like for you guys? Yep. One really, one really nice aspect of, of rural Japan is that there's, there's no building code. Um, you, when building a building, we need to provide, uh, a, like a, we need to let the, the city hall know, or the town, the township know that we're starting construction and at the end of construction, so they can come and charge taxes, taxes on what we build. But otherwise there's no, there's uh there's no building code. There's no building permit. Um, there are some general rules, but the rules are very loose. 
And are these types of natural building materials and styles familiar, would you say, with the local city officials, that type of thing? Or is it like, whoa, where, where is this coming from? No, f fortunately, Japan does have a, like a natural building tradition, right? The traditional Japanese house is a timber frame, earth plaster walls, bamboo lattice. So, yeah, there is a, a familiar with natural building. Beautiful. Any questions for Kyle uh, in the chat, please pop it in. I haven't seen any yet, but also from panel. If anybody wants to jump in, please do. Yeah, if I didn't have my own farm, I would be interning with Kyle. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. I just want to say, you are so inspiring to us too. Nanko, especially we live in the urban side and uh, the countryside, like Japan has so many diversity of permaculture. I really enjoy seeing what you do in Pamimomi. And cool. we, want to, we, we want to go there to learn about mm -hmm. your natural building. Uh, actually let's 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 do something together so i'll like kind of set up maybe a um a forest garden workshop and, and have you come teach if that would be a good opportunity to come and uh, you could be a teacher here too yeah. <laughs> cool cool let's do it nice yeah i just love it uh thanks so much kyle and uh, yeah i'd love to spend all day listening to you all um uh, we're joined also by Eddie Suzuki, who I met through the Edible Schoolyard Movement in Japan. I mentioned in my introduction that uh, Alice Waters started the Edible Schoolyard Movement in Berkeley, California, and has sort of satellite organizations all around the world. And so I had the good fortune of getting connected with Edible Schoolyard Japan, I think maybe in like 2016 or 2017, I have done maybe three uh, trainings and events with these amazing folks. And um, that's one of the contexts that I've gotten to know Eddie in, and uh, Eddie's involved in that. And so I'm um, really excited to hear from Eddie to share with us a little bit about work that's going on with school gardens and the sort of um, crossroads of uh, garden-based education and permaculture. So thanks, Eddie. Welcome. Great. Thank you so much. Um, my name is Eri Suzuki. I told me that actually. Um, it's the Suzuki is my last name before marriage, and I, I somehow couldn't figure out a way to change my last name. So, but yeah, right now my official name is Eritomita, and then um, the Matt introduced me and, um, and the information as a founder of Edible Schoolyard Japan. But then actually, I'm a board member and then chief ambassador for the Edible Schoolyard Japan. And then there are founder is Hiroko Horiguchi, Miss Hiroko Horiguchi Sam. Um, might be able to join later on, if, if but she's in another meeting, so she has to kind of shuffle the uh, timing to see if she can jump in and in, in the end. Um, so maybe I'll sh share some photos while I talk. Uh, let's see if I can figure this out. Yeah, that Here. sounds good. Great, Ari, and thank you so much for being here. I really, really appreciate it. It's an awesome opportunity, yeah. so it's very welcome. Great, thank you so much for uh, yeah, letting me join as well. Um, let's see, how do I bring this up? I had a um PDF that I opened on my um 
preview. Is this what it is? Yeah, you might have to share the uh, the the. I think it's called the screen, not the tab. Uh-huh. Really, it should work for both, but sometimes it doesn't work for one or the other. And no pressure. Take your time. We're just sitting here hanging yeah. out. So. Okay. Let's see. Oh, it encountered an error. It says. Hmm. Barry, why don't you mute yourself for a second? And then when you find it, just pop back in. And Kyle, I'm going to okay. ask you a follow-up question on rice production. Um you know, obviously, this brings to mind Masanobu Fukuoka, right? Permaculture, Japan, rice production. Have you taken inspiration from Fukuoka? Or have you found that his methods work well or not well in your area? Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah. Um, I actually spent quite a bit of time with Fukuoka in uh, 2000, 2001. Um, I went to Ehime. Um, we traveled together to Kyoto, Tokyo, Tochigi. Um, and uh, yeah, he's an amazing, an amazing philosopher. And I don't know if many people can read the timing and the seasons like he can. Um, there's, there's really, a, there's a really a very small window for making that, um, that wheat or the winter grain rice succession work like he does. Um, the timing for, for sowing. Um, like the, yeah. So I think it's it's difficult to apply, and I think that's why most of the people who've tried to apply it have not been successful. But I have met um, one farmer who was successful on occasion with that that broadcasted system. That's awesome. That's really cool. It makes sense. Yeah, it didn't seem like upon reading his books that it would be broadly applicable everywhere. But I think the idea that Bill Mollison commented upon about collapsing time. You know, he mm-hmm. said Fukuoka, as a designer, was able to collapse time. I think that still rings uh, with lots of possibilities throughout any different climate zone or any different area that you happen to find yourself. Yeah, time stacking. Yeah. Yep. And space stacking with, like, clover and, and, and rice. Yeah. Yeah, feel free to hop in and just chat with us, anybody. Um, Ari, I sent you a private chat that might help. Um, you could send me the PDF or something and I could pull it up. Or sometimes popping in and out of the program can help too. But again, no pressure because we'll just sit here and chat together because this is great and we're all friends now. Also, uh, yeah, you could send it to me and I could put the um, Edible Square Japan Facebook page up if uh, if you want to so no pressure on my first call i had a hard time getting my screen to come up as well so we just roll with it technology is really good at failing <laughs> but it's also cool at linking people because all of a sudden now we're going to have pollination within japan right like you're going to teach at their place and they're going to teach at your place kyle and waka if I we're going to do it definitely how far apart are you all what's the distance from Hamamatsu, it's it's probably a day's travel. Yeah. Yeah. By car, yeah, a little quicker by bullet train. <clears throat> yeah, yeah, by by train. Maybe you could, if you left really early in the morning, you could do it in half a day. Right. Yeah. And uh, Edible Square Japan. Has, I think I made it. I think okay. I. Nice. They have programs yeah. in a couple of cities now. Which is really like do you see it? 
Just got to give it a sec. Yep, just, just came up. Harry, yep, looks great. Okay, great. Um, so, um, as I'm sharing, I'm, I'm, I'm not sure. I don't see um, you guys' faces anymore, so. <laughs> we're, we're still here, but okay. yeah, looks great. Just go ahead, and if we have any questions, we'll interrupt you. <laughs> okay, great. Um, so, um, here is um, the two founders are right here. Uh, Hiroko is on the left, and then uh, Kazuo is on the, on the right. And um, Hiroko is actually, before starting the Edible Scuria Japan in 2014, um, she found out about Edible Scuria in Berkeley and then did a, a quite a big um, reporting and an interview and a reporting and then created a book about Edible Scuria um, programs. And, um, you know, while she was looking into how this program is being created in back in Berkeley on the original site, she really realized that, uh, you know, all the edible education method, um, uh, the programming and the gardening and kitchen program both uh, incorporated the permaculture principles. So after she finished the book, she actually started studying permaculture in Japan and um, kind of looked for a gardener who she can go to as you know core gardeners for an um, edible schoolyard in Japan, and then she met Phil Cashman, um, who is a I don't I wish I had a photo of him right here, but then I don't. Uh, he's a great permaculture builder uh, designer in Japan who actually teaches permaculture design course with Kyle and then other friends of mine, Kai Soya. Um, and a beautiful site. Uh, and so Hiroko approached Phil to become a permaculture designer or the garden teacher or garden, or might be garden guru for the Edible Square Japan. So that's how the Edible Square Japan um, program started by having um, amazing permaculture designer as our gardener. And um, we started the program at uh, elementary school. Uh, in Tokyo, where the principal approached Hiroko after reading her book on edible schoolyard um, project on Berkeley, and then and see if you know he can do that at his school, and so that's how she had a, a model site, which has been um, that the program has been done for the last nine years, and so you know it was a pretty bare school garden site that they had um, back in 2014, as of in April, it was like, looked like this. Um, they had a garden plot for some science experiments or some, some planting, but then, you know, it was mostly abundant and not being used at all. And um, Phil created a design of the garden and put together um, this amazing um, beds laid out and, um, you know, started building the garden site. And, um, you know, they started, you know, the, the students started to slowly come in and engage. But um, the, the original, the first program started in August of 2014. That's when um, Phil made the pizza party. 
And I think it's always that the permaculture community pizza party is a way to get community engaged in and started. But um, you yes. know, he taught. Yes. Yeah, you know, he taught. Um, he didn't really use the word as a permaculture to the children, but then he introduced um, the the key concepts of the permaculture to the students. Like he made it, he put it on on the white uh, on the blackboard. Said, "We are family forever." And explaining that we, W, it stands for water, and we are an R, A stands for air, family of the F stands for food, and forever, and, and another F stands for, for friends. So the water, air, and food, and friends are what you need to live a wonderful life. So that's it's probably the foundation of the garden education on the edible schoolyard Japan's principles. It's kind of like half in his original presentation that he kind of draw students in. And so um, in the edible schoolyard education in Japan, like in the program, we don't really, you know, uh, present it as a permaculture education course per se, but then you know, all the um, programs are designed and then in the principle, based on the principle of the permaculture. And then the original, the first lessons that the um, we provided to students are we planted wheat and um, fava beans together and, and the companion plants and uh, introduced the idea of not a single, um, you know, type growing and it's just a lot of times in in uh in schools students had a chance to grow but a tomato there's a mini tomato in the single pot individually they they grow and then make an observation but that's about it but um you know we started to create a diverse garden with the idea of the companion plants which really makes a big emotional impact on the children's too, and an idea that the you know you can't live alone. Like you have to have a a companions. You have a, you need a companions to grow together and such. And so uh, we started out uh, creating the outdoor classroom, being by just putting yeah those uh, the stools simple stools and then created a circle. But now I think we have the um, uh, the overhead that we can cover a little bit from the rain. And slowly we are developing more and more. And, um, you know, uh, incorporating with the, uh, the current subject taught in Japan, combining, I, I think, the house, house, house homemaking class and then the we call it sogo class, like um, an integrated lesson class that we combine to make um, edible lesson. We call it edible edible class, and then offer it to the school. And um, we've done uh, lessons on with chickens. We we made the chicken coop with the students, and then. We have um, lesson that kind of around, involving around chickens and um, 
you know, to having an animal around those students in, you know, it's a really great opportunity for them to really explore um, the relationship with nature. And, um, you know, we did a lot of observations and activities with chicken, like surround, having a chicken as a center, but then like looking at all these environmental aspects um, around chickens and then its relationship with the garden and such. Um, we also created the water circulation lessons as well, looking at um, the waters around. This is a, a little canal stream um, in the, right next to the garden. So they did a lot of um, research on what's it, what's uh, it's like, and then they created uh, water cleaning systems and on the site to really see the changes in the water flow. You know, that first how it's like in a lot of the, that there's a water with the silent, like not moving at all. So it was a lot of the, 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 the organic matter was sinking in, but then like at once they created the flow, they really saw the changes in the water on site. Um, and, um, you know, each lessons they do incorporate the harvest and the tasting and um, you know, have that in the classroom is really amazing for students. And, um, and like slowly we started to develop the curriculum that sort of matches the um, academic standards of the, the school. So the one example is that they, they have a lessons in, um, in the reading. They, they have a, a lessons where they do, they read about the soybeans, how the, the, soy, the, the soybeans are changes its shape and form. And, and so then the students actually uh, sow the soybean seeds and then grow soybeans over the year. And then at the end of the year, they harvest the soybeans and then uses that soybeans to make tofu in the end in their class. And so, so um, after nine years of practices at the site, uh, we now have um, themes for each grades from the first to sixth grade. So we all, um, so that the students on this elementary school get an opportunity to uh, get involved in the edible lessons for part of the year. Not, not everyday things, but then we come in and then we teach us, or we share the, um, the lessons and for every a month or so or depending on depending on the grade we offer a, the grade specific classes now and then the amazing thing is that um you know after a year after nine years uh of the program running at the site now that um the parents the pta the parent associations became and there's few um that kind of runs the major um main 
garden keepers became the garden keepers. So the community has expanded quite a bit. And then after, the, um, I think after a corona, no, no, getting into Corona, we do get a lot of attention. And now we have a new project where um, Matt has been, Matt got to come the last time. It's um, called Kayabayan, which is in a rooftop garden that was actually corporate funded project at, in which the Edible Scoria Japan came in to become a actually the program operator. So we do operate the um, educational program, but um, it's the site is in the middle of the financial district in Tokyo. So all around the site is a concrete jungle. And then you got into one of the financial building and then go take the elevator to the, 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 the 10th floor and then you see a rooftop garden, just like the oasis in, in the concrete. And so um, you have a, you know, that- hey, hey, I'm sorry to interrupt you, but I think I, we lost your screen share. It may have been something that I did. <clears throat> Excuse oh, yeah. me. Here, here's another one. Do you see it? Did that come out? Uh, give it one second. I don't see it yet, but it might. Sometimes take a sec. Yeah. Okay. Hi, Hiroko. Hiroko's here. Yeah. Hi, Hiroko. Nice to meet so, you. I'm Jesse. I wonder if this is being shared. Is this not? Not Maybe. yet. No. Let me, let me do this again. How do I do that? Hmm. Oh, where did it go? Oh, here it is. Okay, there it is. Now it came up. Yeah, sorry about that. I may have hit something inadvertently. Oh, okay. So, um, yeah, this is the uh, a quick introductory video of the um, of the the Kayabayan, which is the rooftop garden that we talked about. So it's a three minute video, so I'll do some talking over while looking at the video, I think. So there it goes. So um, this is the garden and the rooftop. And um, you know, we attract a lot of the lights up here, but um, it's, in the middle of the financial district, as I just said, um, it's the in the Kayabacho Nihonbashi, which is in the center of Tokyo, close to Tokyo Station. There's so many edibles that's growing here. Then the garden it's designed by um, Phil Geshman, the same same garden designer. We have as uh, the rooftop cinema designed as well as the community garden. And then it offer we offer the um, the school for students edible education program for students, which is we call it our scorelet. And then the design illustrated illustration is done by Wakana actually our theme uh, the main illustration. Oh, and cool. then the, the, um, the programs offer students the opportunity to grow food in the middle of the city. Actually, touching the soil is really rare for those kids who live in the, the huge tower mansions. 
um, in the neighborhood. And they come in and get to observe, um, you know, the smell, touch um, the herbs or the soil. And um, they also get to harvest and eat the fresh food. You know, it's really rare for you know students to pick the fresh food from out of the plants and then actually see how it's actually it's grown in the main plants. We, you know, like they only see it in the supermarkets and such. And then they also have a, a chance to do a cooking. We do have a compost set up as well. So they learn about the compostings and then incorporated the, the artworks um, in the programs to really so that, that the students can express what they've learned at the site. Um, and they got to cook the harvest they create they, they did at the site. There's a uh, kitchen site and then the, they have the table set up so that the kids can really um, enjoy. And then eating too, the eating as, as a community, the eating freshly harvested food is a pretty big part of the edible education that we offer. And um, we have, you know, trying to provide the students, like children who lives in the concrete jungle, and connect to each other, to each, you know, so that they don't feel isolated in, in the middle of the city. And then also that um, connects to nature as well. And then in this beautiful site, um, the mat recently came to um, share the, uh, the, the leaders training for those who are, um, for the adults who are getting into edible education and trying to teach um, the gardening classes or cooking class to the students. So it was really interesting. I didn't have a chance to uh, participate, but then I was told that and that really focused on the, the smell that was available at the site and um, have the students really um, explore essentially their senses um, and then through the smell, all the experience that they, they provided was quite cool. And so, you know, of all the things that we are doing here, um, it's kind of like, you know, there's a thread of um, edible educations to be a um, horizontal thread. And then like, the vertical thread is always the permaculture, there's a land design or the community design. You know, it's kind of like weaving them together is what we are doing in the edible schoolyard Japan. I think yes, edible square method and then the permaculture principle really fits well together. And so, yeah, that's has been our experience for us. So now that Hiloko is also here, and if you have a questions, um, then I have a strong support on answering it. So, thank you so much for having a, having me here, having us you know, talk about it. Thank you so much. That was wonderful. Yeah, so All I'd right. Like to introduce Hiroko, who, Thank as you, uh, you heard recently, 
um, is the director of the program and uh, somebody that is just wonderful to work with. I think it's important in all forms of education, especially uh, permaculture education, if we're really trying to change the world, uh, inspiring uh, people that we need to really embody a youthful spirit. And so I find a lot of commonality with uh, working with all these people in that, uh, that sort of youthful spirit. Losing that is a, a really sad thing. And uh, there are a lot of reasons why people lose touch with that, uh, but we're trying to bring that back. And so uh, Hiroko and I have a wonderful time when we're running uh, these programs for youth. And so I'd like to introduce Hiroko. You might be muted, I think. <laughs> Hi. Hi. I... I am Hiroko. Uh, I think it is the first time to meet, meet Jesse. Jesse Takasan. Hi. Konnichiwa. Hi. Konnichiwa. Hello. Great to meet you. Thanks for being here. Thank you so much. To you. Thank you so much for inviting us. It's such a wonderful time. Kyle, Konnichiwa. Okana-chan, Konnichiwa. Jun-san, Konnichiwa. Eichi, arigato. If you have any question, please. Um. Well, maybe uh, one question that uh, I think would be really curious to hear from you, having trained with uh, Edible Schoolyard and getting a sense of how Edible Schoolyard is offered in the United States and then sort of literally translating a program uh, to Japanese students, Japanese culture. Uh, what, what's unique about teaching garden-based education in Japan that people might be curious about who are maybe garden teachers in the United States? Uh, um, please forgive me to speak Japanese. Very don't translate. So this is unique. うん。なんだろう。うん。私が最初にそのアイワ小学校でやった時は、あの、校長先生にあの、ぜひエディブルスクリアードをこの小学校でやってほしいって言われて え、そこから始まりました。あの、効率で始めたのはそこが最初だったんですけど、そこから始まりました。でもそれは校長先生のトップダウンで呼ばれたので、他の先生もあの、何もわからなくて、私はすごく孤独な気持ちで、あの、その
私たちに勇気を与えてくれたし、それがきっかけで、愛和小学校で10年続けることができました。で今でも子どもたちが私たちを一番支持してくれていて、そして今はお母さん、保護者の人。で、8年目ぐらいから先生たちも私たちの味方をしてくれるようになって、地域で私たちを支えてくれるようになりました。このエリブルの活動を支えてくれるようになりました。So, the greatest supporter since the beginning has been children. Children are the ones who, who are on the program together. So, the, the children are the first one who really took in the Phil's message of the We Are Family Forever and、um, has been the one who drives us forward. And then, after eight years or so, the, 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 the teachers finally started to. Um, be on our side to be able to、um, cooperate well together as a trusted、uh, allies.、Um, and so it was the first the children, and then the parents, and then the finally the teacher who kind of got on board. I was in the past 10 years, and I was in the past 10 years, and I was in the past 10 years, and I was in the past 10 years. 日本,日本だけじゃないかもしれないですけど学校ってすごくいろんな規則とか,でなんかすごく古い伝統とかに縛られていてこうコミュニティを本当の意味でコミュニティを作っていくことが実はすごく難しくってそれにもしかすると文科省と文部省文部科学省はそれにすごく頭時間とお金を使ってるかもしれないだけどガーデンというクラス教室を作ることで時間はかかるかもしれないけれども確実に学校コミュニティが新しい文フードができるっていうことを愛和小学校で証明することができたっていうのは何か日本の本来のカルチャーあの地域を大事にする気持ちとかあの優位優位って言ったらいいかなあのあのつながっていくことをすごく大事にする伝統が私たちのカルチャーにはあるけれども実はそことすごくつながることができたファンマカルチャーとそのエリブルスクールヤードを持ってその日本の伝統的な考え方も掘り起こすことができたんじゃないかなと思います。そう、今、スクール、私たちは、私たちは、私たちは、私たちは、私たちは、私たちは、私たちは、私たちは、私たちは、私たちは、Um, education is trying to create a community and school, and, and then spending so much money and time and effort into it, but hasn't been really successful. But then having the garden at school, although it might take a, lot, a little bit of time, is the greatest way to create a community. If the school can be the, 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 the hub for the, the neighborhoods, and then the parents, and then teachers, and then students bringing it all together. And so, you know, it also kind of connects this to the, the Japanese traditional way of、um, having, creating a community and the local community that,、um, you know, it's just connected to land and the culture and, and the, the people at the neighborhood started to get, a, get, get revitalized in the middle of the city where those connections have been lost. And so, having the Permaculture and the, the edible education at school really had an opportunity to connect back to Japanese traditional way of relating to each other. Hi, thank you.
that's that's amazing. So we might there. Uh, first of all, Kyle, can you use any of the kids? They have an abundance of kids. I know you have a tea house. <laughs> a tree house. A tree tea house. A tree house. Yes, right. A tree house. Yeah, we yeah, did yeah, serve we... tea in the tree house. Yes, with the music. Yeah, um, we'd love to have those kids visit. Yeah, that would be a great connection. It might be too far away to be practical, but uh, in terms of the the theme of kids, the whole things, the whole culture change actually starting with kids. If I heard you guys correctly, like it's really the kids who bought in first, and then they brought it to the parents like a seed, and then the parents sort of grew to accept. Oh yes, this does make sense. This is a a valid way, or maybe even a better way of educating, or a richer way of educating our children, and then that translated to the teacher and the and the bureaucracy. Do I have that right? Yeah,最初は子供で子供が種を持ち帰って親がその種を育ててそれが外の世界に広がっていって結局は最終的に行政とかをまあ持ち込んでいくことになる。Yeah, there's a, a little story, if we have time, I'd love to share that uh, took place a few years ago at the Iowa school. Uh, how are we doing for time, Jesse? <laughs> I'm totally fine for time, Matt, for any good stories. Let's do it. Great. Well, um, like I said, it's been a real joy and pleasure to work with Edible Square Japan, and we have a lot of fun. And we're planning um, a program for children at this school that you saw the pictures of. And uh, there's a lot of organization happening to make that happen. And uh, as you also heard, there's a little uh, outdoor classroom, uh, a timber framed structure that can be covered. And there's some picnic tables underneath it, kind of get out of the sun or get out of the rain, which is actually a really critical piece of infrastructure for a lot of school gardens. And um, I got a, a message maybe a couple of weeks before I was supposed to come do this event, like, oh no, like there's a, a neighbor in a, a, an apartment complex that is relatively close to the school. And they basically look down on the schoolyard up on like the 10th or 15th floor or something. And uh, they don't like the outdoor classroom and they complain to the school. And now the, the principal is like worried uh, about it. And they're kind of like hesitating on things like, we're concerned about this. Like what, what should we do? And we were kind of brainstorming together and, uh, we came up with the decision to just invite them to our event. And so uh, the day of the event, the the person who had this concern and uh, the senior citizen and, and I think his wife and their two of their friends, they all came as a group and uh, they didn't talk a whole lot, but they were really kind of taking it in. And we had some activities harvesting. We were uh, finding uh, insects in nature, including crawfish in that little kind of canal that you saw there and we put them in a little container. It's an activity that I love to do with kids. And then you can kind of look closely at a bug that you might not be too comfortable holding and then draw it with uh, leaves and flowers pressed on the paper to kind of get to know uh, the, the creature and then we let them go. And then uh, there was a group that was cooking in the school kitchen. They have a beautiful setup uh, with stations and each station has like a um, cooking surface and a sink and counters. And so groups of kids have been cooking and preparing and including some of the miso that they had made. It made this wonderful meal. And uh, we, a small group of us sat with this, uh, these neighbors who had the concern kind of aside from some of the rest so that we could kind of talk a little bit. And um, so we kind of greeted each other and I shared um, 
you know, I, I love to see these kids exploring nature and finding things. And I especially loved that one of the kids found a, a crawfish and I was sharing how I loved to find crawfish as a kid. And that it just was really reminded me of uh, what got me interested in nature and, and why I've pursued, you know, connection with nature and, and food for a um, better part of my life. And um, the elder who had the concern kind of thought for a bit. And then he said, uh, I was also that boy that would connect, would collect the, the crawfish, catch them in the water. And uh, I think what you all are doing here is just fine. And I, I no longer have a concern about the, the school classroom. And uh, it was just a really special moment. And um, I think that, uh, you know, I was just sort of like there to help move this along. Um, I don't really take credit for um, the, the garden program and they've done amazing work there. You know, I, I kind of drop in and, and offer what I can. And um, what I kind of attribute to this shift was just the spirit of inclusivity that um, all of these presenters, all of my friends here have with their sites. Um, I really kind of, I seek out folks that have that inclusive spirit to work with and uh, that affects people. And, and not everybody has had a good experience in life and not everybody has gotten an invitation or felt um, welcomed or connected. And so there might be a little, little grumpiness or resistance and, and that happens and we need to kind of know how to work with that. And in this case, really just quite simply like a first, the first step is to um, reach out and to be inclusive. And uh, it really helped this program continue to move forward without hesitation because having the support of the principal and the teachers and the staff is really critical for school garden education programs to be successful. And so that kind of the, the um, Ari was mentioning kind of like the weaving and the, the threads and there's also a thread of placemaking through all of this work. You know, I think it's really impossible to separate out placemaking uh, from permaculture and what permaculture I think does so well is it creates conditions for all kinds of communities to thrive. And that's also a definition for placemaking. And so um, we're trying to make places more um, joyful to live in and more kind of feeding our, our bodies and feeding our souls and being connective and finding opportunities to uh, just have an experience together. And so um, it's been a wonderful journey. And I, I'm really excited to continue working with all these folks. Maybe we'll do like a follow-up uh, sometime with Pina here uh, and bring on some of the folks that you heard referenced who are also amazing and probably be more than happy to come on and uh, just meet a little bit more of uh, some of the folks that are doing amazing work in Japan that I've had the good fortune of getting connected with. So I know uh, I really appreciate this opportunity and I'm so grateful that uh, all of my friends here were uh, able to take time out of their days and their work to hop on. And I, I hope it's uh, not the last time that we get to do this. Thank you, Matt. If anybody wants to say anything, please do. We'll do a little wrap up, but feel free if you want to respond to Matt, please. Great. Thank you so much for inviting us and then, you know, connecting three of us together. I mean, Wakana Jun and then Kyle and then us here together is also a great gift for us too. So it's a lot of fun. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Mm -hmm. and then, yeah, and I might need to kind of like slide out uh, shortly because I think my son is up and then I think I need to switch with my partner to take care of him. So yeah, yeah. I need to go other soon. No, no problem. Take off whenever you need to, Ari. And you're always welcome back. And it was lovely to meet you. Great. Yeah. Thank you so much for having us. It was a my great pleasure. meeting you. Yeah. You too.
great opportunity to connect with everybody here and with people in the United States and look forward to uh, connecting with Pina and, and uh, Eddie and Hiroko-san and um, Okana and June in the future. Thank you so much for having us today. And my background of permaculture was in San Francisco. So it was so nice to connect Matt and Jesse having this opportunity. And we really got so much inspiration from everybody. And we want to keep doing like this in the future. Arigato. And please, please come to Japan, Jesse. Thank you so much. I would love to, and so would my wife. Um, so we may join you in Japan at some point. Thank you so much. Awesome. Well, thank you, everybody. And just feel free to always come share with us, because to me, that's what Pina is really trying to do, even though it's the Permaculture Institute of North America. That is our primary focus, because that's where we can have our biggest influence. But I think the permacultural global scene and weaving it together thanks to Matt and your connections and many other teachers through many other countries, there's quite something special happening in the global permaculture movement that goes sort of hidden. We don't always see it and tell, and we get an opportunity like this to present what we've been working on and what we've been spending our life force energy on um, towards permaculture over these past many years. So thank you all for coming and sharing that. And thank you, Matt, for making this happen. I, we couldn't have done it without you. So this is this is amazing. So good work. I just get to hang out with my friends. So it's, it's no problem at all. <laughs> yeah, and I get to make new friends. So thank you, new friends. I appreciate you all. And uh, if you have any comments, please put them in the comment section now. And uh, guys, when this is over, I'll send you a link so that you can all check it out later and you can add your own comments on YouTube or whatever in the future. And thank you again, everybody. Take care of yourselves. Have a good day. Thank you. Awesome. Bye. Thank you.